Melissa Lockard with Steve Berman from the Steamheads, a show about the Oakland A's. We finally made it. It is the end of the regular season, and the A's not only are headed to the postseason, but actually know their opponent. The Chicago White Sox, of all teams, ended up in the jumble of things that happened on the season's final day, lining up to be the A's opponent as the A's are the number two seed after leapfrogging over the Twins on the final day of the season. So for a long time, it looked like it was going to be the Astros. Then it looked like maybe it might be Cleveland. And now it turns out to be this very powerful and very multi-talented Chicago White Sox team coming into the Coliseum. You know, I think it's always dangerous to try to pick your opponent if you're um, headed to a postseason because you get what you ask for and sometimes it's not exactly what you really wanted. But uh, this looks like a dangerous matchup for the A's, Steve. What do you think? Absolutely. This is like kind of uh, sort of like the Padres of the American League that they're facing right now. Just a bunch of young, talented, powerful hitters. They have a really like a two-headed rotation, it seems like to me. I mean, Giolito will start game one. Dallas Keuchel will start game two. And then in game three, we don't know what they're going to do. If it's going to be Dylan Cease, Dane Dunning, or if they're going to try to figure out some sort of bullpen game. And the A's are going to announce their starting rotation for game one later today, actually, as we record this podcast. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Jose Abreu is a AL MVP candidate with 19 homers. You know, I think Yohan Mikado is actually a guy I thought was going to be just explode this year, but he had kind of a down year after a nice season last year. But, you know, Tim Anderson, you got uh, Eloy Jimenez. There's a lot of uh, talented, powerful hitters in this team. So keeping the ball in the ballpark is, might be difficult. Yeah. And Luis Robert, I think, is a, a pretty strong candidate for rookie of the year as well. So they may be taking home quite a lot of hardware on uh, awards night. It's sort of an interesting thing that uh, both um, the A's and the White Sox did not play their best ball heading into postseason. The White Sox looked like they were on the verge of clinching the uh, American League Central Division, you know, about a week ago and really stumbled and ended up just barely holding on, you know, with that wild card spot. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's hard to know how much to play into or read into anything that went on the last few weeks. I think in looking back at the A struggles, you know, or inconsistencies over September, I mean, they still finished with a winning record for the month, so you, you can't complain too much. But obviously their level of play in August was a lot higher than it was in September. But Kind of thinking back on it, when they came back from that uh, COVID suspension of their season, they had a two-game lead in the division. It seemed like it might be a little bit of a tight race, but then Houston just never applied any pressure whatsoever for the entire rest of the month. So in in some ways, the A's haven't had a whole lot to play for over the last three weeks. It was sort of almost a foregone conclusion that they were going to win the division for quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see if sort of that extra motivation in a season where motivation, I think, has been really hard for everybody, given just all of the added pressures and, you know, kind of grind that the season has presented itself, you know, will help kickstart what sort of seemed like a more bund end to a season. Yeah, that's the big question going into these playoffs is, are the A's actually just going to turn it on, flip the switch now that they have something to play for, or are they just going to sort of hit the way they've been hitting, which for the most part, give or take a game like yesterday's where they you know had scored six runs, are they just going to be sort of just a, I don't know, energy and no enthusiasm kind of team? Because that's really what Bob Melvin was saying 
all weekend was essentially that the A's really didn't care about this series against the Mariners and even the series against the Dodgers it was tough to get up for. Robbie Grossman, after Saturday's doubleheader where the A's really didn't play well, said that this has been the most uh, taxing season mentally and physically that he can remember, and I think that's probably not surprising. But I think he also said that they're going to get a second win when the postseason starts. So that's the big question. Is that going to happen or is it not? But I think, as you mentioned, the White Sox are dealing with a lot of the same stuff. The only difference being... I think the White Sox actually come in after playing a bunch of games against winning teams, and they had a four-game series against Minnesota, a series against the Reds, then they got swept in four games against Cleveland before ending their season with the Cubs, so the A's, on the other hand, except for that series against the Dodgers, have mostly been playing losing teams lately, so that's another reason to be sort of uh, a little bit apathetic about the end of this weird regular season. Yeah, the one thing I did notice, though, about the offense in that Seattle series, it's I do think they were taking better at bats. And, and I think that actually finally paid some dividends in that Sunday game. Uh, you know, they were facing Marco Gonzalez, who's, you know, certainly a playoff caliber starting pitcher. You know, he's not playing on a playoff caliber team. But, you know, he's a guy who was one of the best left-handed starters in baseball this season. And they worked him really hard in that game. They got him out after five innings. They put a lot of good at bats together. The strikeouts went down pretty considerably over the last couple of games and and I think that was a sign of them taking better at bats and so I think you know there, there are some kind of small indications that perhaps you know the, the kind of focus maybe was improving as the weekend went on and I think that will be helpful but you know and looking back historically there hasn't really seemed to be much of a correlation of how hot the team is going into the postseason and how they then look once the postseason arrives, you know, especially from an offensive perspective, some of the years that they've been hitting their absolute best, they've gone into the postseason and it dried up immediately. You know, and the one year I, I go back to is 2014, and it was such a struggle just to get to the postseason that year. Uh, you had to come down to the final day. And, uh, you know, really for the last two months of the season, we're one of the worst teams in baseball as opposed to one of the better ones. But the A's got in and they didn't win that wild card game, but they hit the ball really well after not hitting for basically two straight months of the regular season. So sometimes it's not really, you know, so much of you know what you see right when it goes to the postseason as, you know, that everything just sort of kind of changes once, you know, October. We're not quite in October, but October in a, in a theoretical sense arrives. Um, and, you know, I think if the A's are going to win this series, it's going to have to be in probably a bit of a shootout. Um, I imagine the White Sox will score their share of runs, so the A's are going to have to keep up if they're going to be able to um, compete. And, you know, obviously they've seen D- Dallas Keuchel quite a bit over the years when he was in Houston, so they've got a pretty good feel for him. Lucas Giolito, he's such a different pitcher this year than he had been in the past. I think it's going to be a little hard to gauge exactly, you know, what to expect when they see him. But again, the, you know, the White Sox bullpen is a bit of an unknown too. I mean, they've got a guy that just got drafted that nobody's seen, you know, the big left-hander Garrett Crochet in in the bullpen that is going to be sort of an interesting weapon for them. And the fact that he's got Chad Pinder back uh, on the last day of the season and the fact that Chris Davis has shown that he can hit left-handers pretty well uh, will be something that, you know, could be a bit of a weapon for the A's against someone like Crochet coming out of that bullpen, um, you know, who's kind of an X-factor at this point. Yeah, I think, you know, they kind of say in hockey that, you know, you're as hot as your goalie. And I think in this case, it's really going to be, like you said, it's going to be about starting pitching. Because like you said, the, you know, in terms of 
momentum into the postseason. You could give or take it. I mean, you could, if, if you play well after playing well at the end of the season, you can point to that. But there's been times where teams have looked pretty mediocre and then, you know, they have some dominant starts in, right in the beginning of the postseason, then they're on their way. And so that's what's going to be interesting to find out who's going to be starting in game one. I, I guess uh, we're going to be finding that out pretty soon here. I think we have uh, Bob Melvin at 1130 this morning, and he's going to tell us. And then after their workout, they're going to have this game one starter talk to the media. I'm guessing saying it's going to be Lizardo. That's just my assumption. Could be Manaya, I guess, but I think Lizardo probably seems like the safest bet at this point. And uh, Giolito, yeah, it's he's you know he's been fantastic over the last couple of years. A guy who's you know a ballyhooed prospect, big strikeout arm. He strikes out twelve per nine. So that's going to be interesting. And then Keiko, like you said, he's a guy who the A's have faced a bunch of times. They didn't face him last year because he wasn't in the American League, but they faced him a ton of times in 2018. I looked at Chris Davis's numbers against him, and you know, going numbers between a batter and a pitcher, you know, generally it's too small of a sample size to really put too much stock in it a lot of the time. But Chris Davis is only three for 27 lifetime against Dallas Keuchel. So even how well he's been hitting against lefties, I'm still not quite sure that he's going to get a start in that game. Maybe he will just because his at-bats over the last weekend have been looking better. I mean, he had a double down the right field line on Friday that I think was his best at-bat of the season, perhaps. And he had a nice uh, single up the middle on Sunday's game against the left-hander. But... Uh, I'm not really sure if he's the guy they're going to be looking for, but really it's up to the A's. You know, if whoever the starter is in game one and Chris Bassett are lights out, and I think Bassett will be, I just am really confident in the way that he's been pitching lately. He was fantastic on Fridays, amazing all through September, and I think he has the mentality to to handle postseason starts really well, so I'm glad he's going to get his chance. If they could pitch well, I mean, that's really what this A's team's built on is pitching and defense, right? It's It's not been about the offense all season long. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'll throw out my prediction, which, you know, by the time this show publishes won't even be worth anything anyway. But um, I wonder if Mike Fires actually ends up becoming the, the game one starter just based on matchup. The White Sox are undefeated this season against left-handed starters, and that threw a wrinkle into the A's plans that probably didn't exist before the, the opponents shuffled themselves. But I think there was a reason they went ahead and had Mike Fires and Jesus Lazardo pitch on the same day against the Dodgers in that series and basically to kind of keep their options open uh, if it turned out to be, you know, sort of a situation where the uh, White Sox in, ended up moving into where the uh, Indians or Astros would have been. If it is Fires, uh, he certainly competed pretty well against a Dodgers lineup that, while very different than what the White Sox do, is equally talented, if not more so. You know, the White Sox are almost entirely right-handed. You know, I think it's it's one of those things where they have a lot of options. 
bullpen wise, I think, you know, the strength of the team all year has been uh, the bullpen. And our producer, Brian Smith, gives us the crazy stat that the A's are 27 and 0 after leading after the seventh inning. And that tells you exactly how strong that bullpen has been. And the bulk of the guys that have been impressive are, are right handed. Obviously, Jake Diekman has been um, that left handed powerhouse. But if the starters can get them to a point where it becomes a bullpen game, the A's may have a good advantage there in, in throwing their right handers out there against a very right handed heavy team uh, and and kind of competing in those extra innings. And, and the White Sox bullpen's been fine, but I don't think it's quite the same level of what the A's have put out there this year. So that's where they may uh, find an advantage there. But it is interesting to look at their lineup and, and see how right-handed heavy it is. And, you know, you look at the A's lineup going into this season certainly was a similar sort of setup, but with Matt Chapman out and replaced by Jake Lamb and then Tommy LaStella becoming such an important part of the offense, it's actually a much more balanced lineup now from a right-left perspective than it was at the start of the year. So, you know, that's a little interesting wrinkle that I think maybe we hadn't seen before, but perhaps Mike Fires finally gets that elusive postseason start he's been looking for for the last couple of years. I know that Fires is a guy who's wanted the ball in these types of situations, and he has actually pitched fairly well lately. Uh, you know, he's been consistent. He'll give you five or six innings. He'll battle. He, the White Sox, it's true. I mean, their numbers against lefties are pretty ridiculous. I mean, their they're slash line, I mean, they're hitting 285 against them with a 364 on base and a 523 slugging as a team against lefties. I mean, that's pretty absurd. Uh, against right-handed pitching, they're still not a bad team, but, you know, their OPS is 749, more normal. It's, you know, they're hitting 253 against them. So it might be a situation where they where they want to keep uh, Manaya and Lizardo away from that right-handed lineup, but I don't know. Fires has seemed like a guy who hasn't really been dominant for quite some time. I mean, he had his no-hitter last year, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I still think it might be Lizardo, but Fires could be it. And the thing about Fires, too, if you remember from last season, he got off to a bit of a slow start and then really was pretty dominant for much of the rest of the regular season and sort of made a run a little bit at, at a 20-game winning uh, season at one point. And I think if you sort of look at the innings and where he's at now, he's at that point in the season where he really hit his stride last year. And I feel like that's kind of where he's rounding into. And again, you know, the type of stuff that he has, he's never going to be what you would consider your typical game one starter. But I look back sort of towards, you know, when Bartolo Colon was the ace of the ace staff, and he certainly didn't have any kind of power fastball arsenal that you would have thought of as a game one postseason starter, at least at that stage of his career, obviously, when he was young. He certainly did. Fires could be that kind of um, game one starter, and it's not like uh, you know Sean Manaya has that sort of that sort of arsenal either. Although he obviously gets a lot more strikeouts than Fires does. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think. If you hold Lazardo back um, and you can keep him as an option maybe for a game three starter or you can mix and match him in a bullpen situation as well. The one interesting wrinkle, though, of course, became the fact that Frankie Montas on, on Sunday, he was outstanding and really looked like he was finally back to where he was at the beginning of the season, you know, finishing all of his pitches, pitching with purpose and, uh, you know, as Bob Melvin said, kind of pitch angry. But the fact that he threw 113 pitches probably takes him out of the series no matter what, which in some ways turns out to be kind of a shame because if you looked back to the beginning of the year, you know, the idea of being able to throw out 
three right-handed starters like Mike Fires, Frankie Montas, and Chris Bassett against a team like the White Sox that, that struggle more against righties than lefties would have been a pretty powerful way to go into this series. And, uh, you know, because Montas struggled for so long, put him in a situation where he's probably not an option. But, but I wonder if he can factor into a short stint um, in a game three if it got to that point if it, if it's a throw day for him maybe he's able to go two innings or something and he could be an interesting kind of x factor for the a's in that way as well he did pitch pretty well after a little bit of a shaky start which looked like you know all of his recent starts lately and then yeah he just sort of you know snapped out of it and started pumping fastballs by guys and struck out 13 looking at you know the a's staff i think the entire key of the series is keeping the ball in the ballpark it's you know the white Sox has hit a ton of home runs as we talked about lefties they're really strong against and you know the starters i mean every single one of the starters gives up over a home run per nine innings except for bassett who's 0.9 you know fires and lizardo are both 1.4 home runs per nine Manaya is 1.2 montas and minor are both 1.7 which is a pretty high number and the coliseum is generally not thought of as a hitter's paradise but you know especially if these games are going to be taking place at noon then it seems like the ball carries a little bit better during the day in oakland anyway so whoever's pitching is going to have to keep the ball down because you just you don't want a situation like last year against the rays where you have you fall behind early because of the long ball and then you have to play catch up yeah i think it's going to be an offensive environment not only is it going to be a noon start but it's going to be hot so um you know you think the ball is going to probably carry pretty well uh, unfortunately of course we're also going to be looking at aqi over the next couple of days again with the wildfire up in the north bay and i don't know how much that ends up factoring at all into any of this but certainly a reminder once again that this is not a normal season that we've got that to be thinking about um, in addition to everything else but uh, i think it's going to be a fun series and i think one of the keys is going to be how much the ex-White Sox can influence the uh, A's attempts to beat the White Sox. I think Marcus Simeon and Chris Bassett, who of course came over in the same trade uh, when Jeff Samarja went to the White Sox, uh, you know, back before the 2015 season, they're really kind of the keys for the A's in this series. I mean, Simeon has not really been himself offensively or defensively most of the season, but if he's on in this series, you know, he and Listella at the top of the lineup really present a lot of problems for teams and, uh, uh, you know, he can do a lot defensively as well to really help these pitchers if the balls are being hit on the ground in the infield. You know, and Chris Bassett, again, like either he's the stopper or he's the clincher in game two. And something that uh, the A's have not been able to do particularly well in either case, you know, since basically 2006. So, you know, those guys who obviously came up in the White Sox system, you know, maybe felt feel a little bit of a chip on their shoulder when they play that team. I think they're going to have an opportunity to have a huge influence on this series. Yeah, I think Simeon's going to be really interesting because, like you said, he didn't have that great of a season this year at all. I mean, comparing it to last season when he was a top three MVP candidate, you know, this year, offensively, he never seemed to figure it out. He had a little bit of an injury, you know, back in uh, a few weeks ago that he dealt with that didn't put him on the IL, but kept him out for a few games. And defensively, yeah, he's been off all year. It just seems like his glove isn't quite working the way it normally does. A lot of line drives that he's leaped for that he's had tip off his glove. You know, he had, a, he had a throw from Murphy yesterday at second base that tipped off his glove. Maybe he was pressing, perhaps. I don't know. It, he is a free agent after this season. 
I think all three of the of the coaches that we talked to over the weekend, Darren Bush, Mark Kotze, and Bob Melvin, the manager mentioned how guys were pressing to raise their numbers up in a in a short season. They look at the scoreboard and they see they're hitting you know two twenty or whatever, and they don't have much time to remedy that. I think Simeon might be in that boat too, you know, in a big walk year. So maybe if the postseason comes around and he could just sort of flip the switch and say, all right, well that's that, and now I have a chance to you know really make you know do some damage he was moved back to the top of the lineup after some time hitting second with Listella hitting first so if they do win I think you're right I think he'll be a huge catalyst for why they do and then Bassett yeah Bassett just all season has been a revelation and I just I you know I mentioned this before many times that I thought he should have started the wild card game last year and uh, this year he's going to get his chance to show how well he can do on this big stage and I'm really interested to see how that happens yeah I think so too and if this does turn out to be you know the last season or last series for the A's this year and the last couple of games for Marcus Simeon in an A's uniform I think it take a moment to appreciate one of the you know true workhorses the organization has seen and what he came over as when he came over from the White Sox in that trade and what he's leaving as in terms of all-around outstanding player has been fun to watch so hopefully he gets a lot more games in the green and gold not only this season but if they can work out an extension in the offseason but if not I think it's uh, good to take a moment to appreciate what he's done in his time with his hometown team and it's been really fun to see him develop over the last few years thanks so much for listening we'll be back after the first two games of this series to see how everything went